staff room. Hello and welcome to The Staff Room, the monthly podcast brought to you by the Institute for Education at Bath Spa University. I'm Professor Kate Reynolds, Dean of Bath Spa Institute for Education. This month we're talking recruitment. Where are we and how did we get here? First up I talked to Professor John Howson, an authority on the labour market for teachers as well as all things data. John is a visiting professor at Oxford Brookes University and I spoke to him last week on the phone. Is there a recruitment crisis in teacher education? Well, it all depends on what you mean by um, a recruitment crisis. Um, Clearly, there are fewer people applying this year than there were last year. Uh, And indeed, the data for March uh, is particularly scary because this is the first year that we've seen uh, a drop-off in applications for primary courses uh, as well as for some secondary subjects. What does the recent UCAS data tell us about applications to ITT? The most recent UCAS data, which came out at the end of March, uh, effectively reflects the position uh, pretty well halfway through the recruitment cycle, um, although uh, historically the first half of the cycle has always been better than the second half. Uh, last year, for instance, we only saw an extra 14,000 applicants uh, between March and the end of the cycle in September. Uh, This year, the total figure of applicants in England was about 22,500 in March. Uh, That's pretty scary because the government reckons we need to recruit across primary and secondary about 30,000 plus postgraduates uh, into training in this recruitment cycle. So we're not even uh, uh, one applicant for every place. Uh, And if you measure that across the different uh, secondary subjects, we've got some that are clearly much further away from their target figure than others. Historically, how are we comparing to previous crises? The last really serious crisis in um, recruitment to teacher education was just after the turn of the millennium when the uh, first cohort of students who'd started paying uh, tuition fees came to the end of their degree courses. And although at that time uh, you could train on a postgraduate course without having to pay fees because the government picked up the tab, there was no help with maintenance costs for many people. Uh, and numbers fell away quite dramatically uh, until the training grant was introduced. And at that point, they started picking up again. Um, And they rose to a peak in about 2005-06 and were just starting to to fall away again um, when the economy nosedived in 2008 and applications shot up during the recession. Uh, This year is probably going to be the worst uh, since that recruitment crisis uh, at the start of the millennium. Uh, And I am very worried about what that means for schools in terms of recruiting for teachers uh, to work as NQTs next year in 2019. And they're already facing problems this year because last year uh, the current batch of trainees Uh, we didn't recruit as many as we should have done to many subjects. Are we at the beginning, the middle or the end? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, Where are we in the 
tunnel? Well, I mean, it depends on what the government does. There are really, uh, apart from the economic cycle, and traditionally, like many public sector jobs, um, teaching does badly when the economy is doing well, does well as a place of safety when there's a recession and um, people are being made redundant, uh, and teaching looks like a safe bet. Our problem at present is that we've got, particularly in the secondary sector, um, a rising school population for the next, well, certainly the next five or six years, um, and that means we're going to need more teachers. So it's particularly bad news if you're not filling all the places uh, at a point where the demand for teachers is rising. And there have been some worrying trend figures from the department, uh, some which came out recently in their study of leadership, showing that wasted rates uh, amongst serving teachers of about five to seven years' experience have been rising. Uh, the number of people coming in and starting teaching and staying in after a year has been staying pretty constant in percentage terms. But what we've been seeing is that whereas traditionally if you lasted a couple of years, you tended to stay in teaching, uh, we've been seeing more people going after five to seven years. Uh, and one of the speculations is that the growth of the international school market has been offering an alternative uh, job uh, a better pay and less tax uh, than you can get if you stay in this country. Do you think money talks when recruiting people to train? I think the problem the government, and particularly the Department for Education, faces in talking to the Treasury um, about the funding of teacher education is the very large numbers. I've indicated that we need more than 30,000 trainees each year, which makes us the, you know, by far and away the largest employer uh, in the country in terms of taking people onto training programs. Uh, my personal view is that training to be a teacher is no different to training to be a um, army officer at Sandhurst or an RAF officer at Cranwell. Um, they receive uh, a salary. In the case of army officers, it can be as much as £30,000 a year during that training year. Uh, I don't see why uh, anybody coming into teaching, whether they're going to be a primary school teacher, a history teacher or a physics teacher, should be expected to bear the cost of training. Um, I think it's a mistake. I think it's short-sighted. And I think when the economy is... Uh, doing well is a positive disincentive for people to come and train as teachers. What are your thoughts on targets being missed in secondary subjects specifically? I think there is some correlation between uh, the subjects where uh, we're not paying a bursary uh, and uh, missing targets. It's not complete because it partly depends on the competition in the subject. So even though you've got quite powerful bursaries in physics, we're still uh, nowhere near hitting our targets to train enough physics teachers, uh, whereas we don't have any bursaries in PE, uh, yet we are well oversubscribed with people who want to train as a PE teacher. And I guess for those with sports science degrees, um, if you can get a teaching job, it's a 
uh, a good job being able to practice what you enjoy as a subject area. Um, so it's all in the end about economics. It's about supply and demand. Um, and the government needs to understand that uh, teacher education, like nurse education or um, any other job, is about uh, making the job attractive enough to enough people to want to do it. The problem is that in the public sector, you're competing with private sector companies who have nowhere near the same degree of restraint uh, in terms of uh, how they decide their pay policy. And it's particularly marked because in, in teaching because uh, we have a, uh, a very vibrant um, independent sector which not only educates children in this country but is also an important part of the export industry in the sense that the boarding schools bring children in from overseas who bring with them cash to help the British economy but they are being taught by people who could be teaching uh, children in state schools. In your opinion, what role can universities play in leading through the crisis? I think in the early 1990s, the position of universities um, and schools was thoroughly discussed and the partnership model was developed, uh, whereby uh, it was quite clear that the major responsibility was for the person undergoing the training experience um, and that they needed to get the best quality training experience possible. In practice, at times they didn't, and it sometimes felt as if uh, their car was the only thing connecting the, the university and the school when um, uh, fees were £3,000 level and there probably wasn't enough money for most universities to cover the costs of a course. Now, I think with much higher fee levels, there universities are much better placed uh, to make sure that the student gets a good experience. And I do worry about making sure that people, whatever sorts of training route they've got, understand that what really matters uh, is the person undergoing that experience, um, because we all have a responsibility to them uh, to ensure that they will be good quality teachers in the future when they actually qualify. Uh, universities have an important role in the local area. They are well-known institutions, they are good at marketing, and they have a pool of graduates in many cases, um, both new graduates and those who are in the area who graduated some time ago, who could possibly become teachers. Uh, and keeping in touch with them and reminding them about Uh, and I think that's an important role which 
ministers have not always understood uh, in terms of understanding teacher supply. What can the data teach us about developing a strategy for recruiting teachers but also retaining them? Yeah, in terms of retention, I think there are two simple messages to ministers. One is that CPD is important, continuing professional development. Uh, there's an awful lot of talk about um, how bad the crisis in recruiting math teachers is. Uh, but what the data has been showing over the last two years is that as the government has been spending significant amounts of money helping to improve the skills of those teaching maths in our schools uh, who may be not as fully qualified as we would like, uh, the number of vacancies being advertised has gone down relative to, say, English. Uh, and I suspect that means that we are retaining more of these people doing a better job because we've been giving them better training. But my message to ministers is that retention is a bit like a three-legged stool <coughs> where you've got pay, workload and morale. And you can probably knock away one leg, probably pay, uh, because it's not the highest motivator for people coming and teaching, although it's important, and get away with it. But as soon as you start uh, behaving in a way that means that you're not concerned that any of those three matter, uh, then you're in serious trouble. And I think um, the current Secretary of State probably realises that uh, from what the discussions about workload. Uh, the simplest for ministers, of course, is morale. Go and say nice things about teachers, make them feel better, uh, and any employee whose employer says nice things about them, always uh, feels more motivated towards working for them. Uh, those whose employers rubbish them um, can't be surprised when they leave. Um, and I think that looking at morale, looking at workload, um, and hopefully looking at graduate pay uh, in those parts of the country where teachers are significantly underpaid uh, is something that the Secretary of State will take on board. Finishing on a positive note, is there any good news around the corner? I think the good news is what is always good news, that teaching is a great profession, working with children, those light bulb moments, uh, watching them grow and develop uh, is absolutely significant. And uh, I, I heard an interesting story about that from outside of teaching yesterday. Um, I went to have my hair cut um, and I live in Oxford uh, and because it's a big university city and I was talking to my uh, person cutting my hair and we talked about the university and he said one of the interesting things about this job is watching the undergraduates develop from arriving as callow 18 year olds to leaving as self-confident um, 21 year olds to go out into the world and I thought yeah there's, that's what teachers enjoy as well. And of course in secondary areas, they've also got the added bonus of being able to teach their subject. If you're interested in hearing more from John, you can find his blog at johnohausen at wordpress.com. After my conversation with John, I sat in on a discussion between Pat Black and Benton Brown, 
the heads of initial teacher education here at the IFE. Pat leads on primary, Benton on secondary. What follows is an abridged extract of the chat between Pat and Benton. So now, it's, 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 we're not even at the start, it is ongoing. No, we're definitely not at the start. start. Um, I mean, the, the, in the end... Um, There's a start in the primary. Yeah, as a nation, we've we've missed the the targets for the teacher recruitment yeah. every year for the past seven or eight years. I mean, in the end, uh, this is something that's been going on for a while. But having said that, we've never seen the drop in applications yeah. happen so quickly in one fail swoop, and I think that's what can be somewhat alarming to us. And that that's that's why we we have had to react so quickly. The the other thing is that the number the years that because there's been this um, under recruitment, um, hence the response of bursaries for shortage subjects, um, and that plugs the gap for a little while, but it's not the answer. We have to really look at why are people not wanting to come into the profession and look at the bigger questions as to what might be taking them out of the profession. So or for you it's not purely a financial... It's not purely a financial. Finance is part of it. I think the thing with finance that we have to be careful on is that we don't really know the extent to, to, to which bursaries have actually developed into actual... Bursaries have helped develop individuals into actual teachers. We know that in some cases they've been somewhat successful getting people onto a training course. But that's that's the extent to which the bursary was yeah. meant to, to to be successful was can we get people onto a training course? What what was not assessed is then do those individuals go into classrooms, do they start teaching, do they stay teaching? I mean the problem that we have with folks coming from different careers is that say in the maths and sciences they may get a twenty five to thirty pound bursary, uh, thirty thousand pound bursary, and it's tax free, and then they go into a job where the where the in the end the salary is much lower than that. So they actually have to take a a an, an income cut from training to actually working, and that's a difficult sort of thing to ask someone to do, especially if they're coming from another job in which they may make more. And in the maths and sciences, that's usually the case. Um, people don't get into teaching for the money. People get into teaching because they want to make an impact on the lives of students. Well, I think as well, for the first time ever, they cut primary bursaries, absolutely no bursary at all for primary. That has had an impact. Now, now does that mean in a year or two time there'll be a shortage of primary teachers, therefore there'll be a new bursary for primary. Why get to crisis point? Why not look and talk to the students that come in to be teachers, what it is that's brought them into teaching and what has made life uh, manageable for them? I think there are two things. There is definitely a um, crisis in recruitment, but we do have to look at why people are leaving the profession. And I think the focus has often been on uh, the workload, but I do think there's something about restructuring that's going on in schools at the moment. So I used to be employed by my local head teacher. I'm now employed by a multi-academy trust CEO in another part of the country. Those those new structures might be making people restless in school as well and not knowing what's happening. Yeah. I do think that we need to change the way that people think about teaching. Mm -hmm. And I think that that it is not a profession currently 
um, that at least some see as uh, a profession that you want to get into. I don't think that it's 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 lost its luster, if you will. And I think we need to to, to revisit and 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 make sure that people understand the actual benefits of being a teacher and the value of being a teacher. And I think, you know, I, I know we'll talk a little bit about what Bath Spa's doing about it, but that's one of yeah. the things that we're trying to do with our Teacher Taster Day. We want people to see the fun in teaching. We want them to see the impact that they can have on students. Those are the things that get you through the day. I mean, there's never, there was never a time when I was teaching, and I think Pat would say the same thing, where you were, what got you through the day is that you knew you were going to get a paycheck at the end of the month. It was never that. It was that you knew that in the end that student was going to get a good education and that you played a part in that. And I think we need to get back to that. We need to get back to the heart of teaching, which is impact on students and, and making a difference in the lives of students because we've lost that. And I think part of that is in the workload, is because teachers uh, have a lot of pressure to do things outside of the classroom, to do things when it comes to marking, to do things when it comes to different structures within the school that they have to navigate. And I think we need to get back to the heart of it, which is putting great teachers in front of students and watching the impact that can happen. And also the fun. You know, primary teaching is fun. Um, I can't speak for secondary, Benton, <laughs> you can speak for that, but I do know primary teaching is fun. You know, the younger children that you're dealing with haven't had the experience in life that adults have had, so say things very honestly and from the heart, and every day you'll smile and laugh at what's being said. But also the, those things that they say tell you a lot about what's going on in their mind and their thinking. And I think we've lost a little bit of that, is that the fun of teaching, but also this understanding of what the child, when the child says or does something, what does that tell you about where they are in their learning? Um, and every teacher will have stories to tell you uh, about those sorts of things. We've lost the fun, um, and we need to get it back, you know, because as a nation, we're not just for the sake of the children and, and their futures, for the sake of the nation, we need well-educated people. You know, a, a good economy runs on well-educated people, and we need to get that back, absolutely back, you know, as, as an economic I venture, think we need that. I think another thing that, that people um, don't think about when they think about getting into teaching or think about teaching as a profession is the unpredictable nature of teaching is actually something that draws individuals to it. Yeah, you will never go through a day as a teacher where you do the same thing day in, day out. Every day will be different. It's because we're dealing with humans. We're dealing with students who, as you said, Pat, the, the things they say, the things that they'll come up with that you never thought they would. I mean, they challenge you as an individual. Um, and, and I think that unpredictable nature of it actually makes teaching a bit adventurous. Yeah. Um, it, because every day when you walk into a classroom in front of a group of 30 students, you never know what you're going to get out of that. You, you, uh, I, I sound like Forrest Gump here with the chocolate metaphor, but I mean, honestly, you go into a classroom and you see students and you don't know what you're going to get that day out of those students and that unpredictable nature of it is actually something that draws a lot of people to teaching because it's different. Every day is an adventure. Every day is going to be different. Every day is going to be challenging and it's hard to get bored that way. Yeah. It's hugely creative. So you have a child in front of you that's not learning and you as a teacher, your mind is racing. How can I, what can I do? How can I change this? What do I need to do for this child to learn? So it's, you're always thinking ahead. 
you're always thinking as you're planning you've got children in your own mind you're thinking how do I make it accessible uh, to them hugely creative career also the reward of knowing that you've been part of a child's learning there's no greater feeling children that come into your class and maybe aren't reading certainly in primary and you know halfway through your first year they're starting to read and actually the fluency comes very very quickly and you've played a part of that you're not the only part of that their families and their home life play a part of that as well but how what a wonderful feeling that you are part of a child's learning well, and one, one, one last thing on that I think as well especially in the era of talking a lot about economics and the economic impact and things like that of anything one of the things that I think to, to, to keep in mind is that, and, and maybe I'm naive to continue to believe this, but I still believe that a teacher can change the trajectory of the life of a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, I honestly think of teaching as something that can bring someone from poverty to, to wealth, if you will, is that a quality education can change someone's life path. And being a teacher is a perfect way to do that. I mean, there are studies out there that say that that that, te- that great teaching leads to student achievement and 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 higher test scores, things like that, which in turn lead to better life outcomes, a better job, a better income, and things like that. And te- it all starts with good teaching. And we are all the products of good teachers. You know, it's there are you can think back to teachers in your own life that made a difference to you. But we are the products of we are su- we are the successful people. You know, we've gone on to. Um, higher education, we've gone on to good careers. My mum was a teacher, she always said that good education gives you options. Yeah, exactly. And also, there's something about fulfilling the person. You're a much more satisfied person. Um, You know, part of a teacher, part of teaching is researching and looking at um, what makes a difference. I try this one way, it hasn't worked, try it another way. So you start to notice patterns, you start to notice why is it that some children don't respond to that. Mm-hmm. So you're analysing all the time. And the satisfaction of that on-the-job research and analysis, yeah. um, and then the difference it makes when something that you've done, something that you've changed... It makes a difference. ..makes a difference, it makes a difference to the child. I think teaching in recent years has been seen as a craft. It has been seen as that in the past, but certainly at the moment... It's seen as a craft, and we can't take away the notion that the skills of the craft have to be learned. Teachers do have to know how to manage behaviour, you know, how to plan, how to assess, but it's more than that. Uh, children and their families and their communities are complicated places, and you have to be able to do more than the craft. The craft is hugely important. To be, to, so that you can do, make those complicated decisions, complex decisions on a daily basis. So a child may be, behaviour may be poor one day, just thinking about, now you have to know how to manage that behaviour in situation, but you also have to know what might have caused that, what's going on in the child's life, what's happening at the moment. That, and, and we could all vent in and I could tell you examples of that. Um, but it's, it's complex, it's a complex job teaching is a profession um, and therefore the university element of that allows you to look at various theories, uh, different ways of working and to, to think about what might be possible. If there are barriers to learning, how might you get over those barriers? How do you make um, learning successful? Yeah. I mean, I think universities can offer a lot because I think, as Pat said, 
because of the complex nature of education. I mean, when you think about what teachers have to deal with and the different sort of subjects, if you will, that they're, you know, they're a teacher in some way is a psychologist, a teacher in some way is a is is also a, a parent and a and a, and a mentor to students. I mean, they they play all these different roles in the classroom, and so the knowledge base that they have to have. Um, is beyond just an on-the-job training type of thing. I mean, it, it, it is understanding the theories behind what it is that's going on in their classroom, and I think that's where universities can add a, a, a huge amount of, of value. Um, on top of that, I mean, we, we as universities have both the expertise in education, um, the capacity to train uh, large amounts of, of teachers through the partnerships that we have, um, which doesn't overly put strain on schools, but also incorporate schools into, I mean, our students spend 75% of their time in schools anyways. And so, it, and, but it's that partnership with the university that makes that, that makes that worthwhile. And I think if you go to schools that partner with Bass Spa University, they'll tell you that they couldn't do that training on their own. Um, and that they need the input from the university staff as well, and that they need that partnership to be able to make it work. And so I think that that partnership that we have with us in schools is what can make successful training. And, and now, when we look at the potential crisis that we have in teacher recruitment, we need to be able to train large amounts of teachers, um, and we need to be able to train them quickly, because we, we will soon have, right now, it's a, a crisis in terms of recruiting into initial teacher training programs, it will soon become a teacher shortage. And then we're going to get into a whole other field where we may be, universities may be asked to train teachers up to teach in different subjects and things like that. So, I mean, it's, and it's already happening through, through certain programs. So I think there's a lot of value to be had. I mean, the other thing that I think we have to remember is that we, we're able as universities to also help shape what the profession looks like uh, um, years and years on because of the number of teachers that come through our doors. I mean, we train hundreds of teachers a year, and so if there's if there needs to be a mindset change about what teaching is and how teaching can have an impact on students or what the role of a teacher is, we're able to do that through the training that we do here in large numbers, enough so that honestly, if we are able to change the mindset of what a teacher is and the importance of of teaching in a certain way with all of our trainees and then they go out into schools that's more likely to have an impact on the profession as a whole than if certain smaller s subsets of schools did that because they would only have an impact on a few teachers and I do think that um, we've trained together we've worked in partnership with schools certainly my spot but I would say all providers have worked in partnership with schools university uh, providers have worked in partnership for schools and have done for a long time I, we've always needed schools, um, and there's, so there's, for me there is no distinction about school-led or university-led. We all work in partnership together uh, for the benefit of, of teachers and children. Um, I think there's also the element of research. You know, we are one of the things that we are absolutely expert in is in research and uh, research methods, how we go about conducting research. And actually, for teachers to be able to schools be able to define an area of um, research that would support their school and work with us on research projects. We know that makes a difference. And remember, this is just England at the present day. Um, so in Scotland, um, universities, the Review of Teacher Education Scotland by Donaldson says clearly that the best courses are through universities and schools. The recent review of Wales 
would say the same, that teachers is a master's profession and that universities and schools should work together. The reflective um, teacher from Northern Ireland, the, the guidance from the General Teaching Council of Northern Ireland, talks about universities and schools working together. So I think that we always have done and we continue to work together with schools. We see the benefit that we each bring um, to the trainee teacher and eventually to the children in the schools. Finland's always held up in England as you know, an example of excellent teacher training and excellent schools. Uh, and remembering, again, it's a highly sought-after career in Finland. So again, you look at oh, what's happening in England. You know, why are we good people not seeing it as a highly sought-after career? Do you think um, funding is the be-all and end-all? No. No, I think the status, there's recognition, there's respect. I recently came back from Zambia and the respect for teachers from the students and families, um, the respect, and their government actually, um, and the respect for education, education in itself. Uh, for, some, for, some, for some reason we've lost direction a little bit, and, uh, but I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a permanent loss of direction. Well, you maybe have lost a little bit of community and bigger picture. But I don't think we can, you know, again, there are plenty of places around the world that have all that connected uh, technology, um, but still they recognise the importance of teaching. I think that has to come from the top. Um, you know, it can come from the ground up, but it does. there has to be direction. Education has been seen as a problem over the last few years. Um, you know, teachers should not are responsible for not, things not happening. Universities are responsible. We've had a narrative of problems, and we need to get out of the narrative of problems because I think it's having an impact on retention and recruitment. And we have to start bringing back in the positive narrative um, and the actions that go along with that narrative. I mean, Benton's come from the states. You've had similar um, experiences in the states yeah. with recruitment. I mean, I think one of the things to keep in mind, especially with the, the with millennials, is that millennials will change jobs more times than any other generation we've seen in the past. They'll change not just jobs; they'll change careers more times than any other generation we've seen in the past. And so that 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 takes then a different way of thinking about how we're recruiting individuals from that generation into teaching. And I think that's some of this why we see some of the success of things like Teach First. Teach for America and the States and different programs like yeah. that is because they recognize that there are high quality individuals that are willing to take on a job um, and, that, and, and, and get into education, but not necessarily with the idea that they're going to be lifelong teachers, but rather that they're going to be lifelong educators in one way or another. And so I think places like Teach First and Teach for America recognize that if they get individuals into the classroom, they get three to five good years of teaching out of them. And I think the, the head teachers in schools recognize that as well, is that that's okay, because then they're going to be a lifelong advocate for education, regardless of whether they go into another field or if they you know sort of step out of the classroom. And so I think we need to keep that in mind when we're recruiting this next generation of teachers. This, these aren't the teachers that are going to join, you know, come, come to us, get their PGCE, go into school and teach for 25 years in the same school, or even in several schools.
problems. They're the type that are going to come and they may do this for five years, they may go do something else, then they may come back to teaching in the end. And so thinking about that in the way that both we train them, but also in the way that we recruit individuals. I mean, I'd love for people to come into the profession and stay in teaching forever, but I recognize that that's not the generation that we're looking at. It's the generation of 140 characters. It's the generation of, of Twitter and social media and things like that, instant gratification. And so... They they like change. They're okay with change. Um, I mean, I, I think if you, you talk to my mother's generation, she'd be terrified of switching careers in her 30s or 40s. But that's something that millennials will do, and they're okay with that type of change. And so that should shape, then, the way that we recruit and even train those yeah. teachers. I do think we're also talking about the West, you know, the West of the developed world, remembering that, um, you know, many parts of the world... The teachers are few and far between, and certainly um, UNESCO talk about you know, a huge shortage of teaching across teachers across the world. Um, but I do think teachers make a difference, and I think they make a difference to communities um, and to countries. Yeah. Uh, and, and our countries are successful because of the, the I do think successful it's education system. But I think that goes back to the narrative of problems. Of, of the um, education has been a problem, and I don't think education has been a problem. I certainly think it hasn't. There are improvements that have been could be made and have been made, uh, but that doesn't mean that's all a problem. Uh, so I do think that that need to justify yourself. Remember, I'm early years trained, and we've always had to justify things like play, uh, but play was never just by random. It was always well-structured and look, we looked at the experience that young children would need to act on certain concepts um, you know, through activities and through objects that help develop their mind. I think one of the things that I think we maybe need to look at bringing back into teaching a little bit more or into teacher training a little bit more is understanding the child and the child's thinking. Um, and with much more opportunity to do that now through um, research and through um, neuroscience, we know what's happening sometimes, but we know more about what's happening now with children's thinking. And I think that's been edged out of teacher training, and we focus much more on subjects. You know, and I think that whole notion of developing the human beyond the subject, um, I think we need to look a little bit more of. I mean, the, the skills that youngsters will need in the future are not just the three R's, um, they are what we were talking about in our development day about um, the critical, the, the, the critical skills, the critical thinking, communication, collaboration. That's what will work in the future. But, you know, we're in a global economy, like, you know, so I think those global skills are absolutely essential, and I think we need to go back a little bit to that. And I think that human element is key um, because if you think back to, I mean, one. Uh, if you think back to the teachers that made an impact on you, um, and if you think back to the teachers that made it, if you go ask anyone, doctors, lawyers, politicians, they'll remember that teacher that had an impact on them because teachers impact everyone. Yeah. Teachers have an impact on the lives of everyone. And so remembering, keeping that in mind, the impact that that teacher had on you was not probably because they knew their history like the back of their hand or they knew maths like no one else. It was the relationship that you had with that teacher that made the impact. 
Mm-hmm. Sure, they probably taught you drama or maths or whatever, whatever subject it was, but it wasn't the subject that made you connect with that teacher. It was that that teacher took a vested interest in you as an individual mm-hmm. and wanted you to succeed at whatever it was that you did. That's what made that teaching that teacher successful for you, and that's the human element that we that we're missing. I think sometimes. And I think that's where you know at the moment there's maybe that disruption because I think that was a you know I'd like to call it a social and emotional contract you had when you came into teaching. You knew you would make a difference socially and, and emotionally. And that contract seems to be disrupted at the moment, and we're focusing on subjects and knowledge and testing, which are absolutely important that children get required knowledge necessary for the future. But we don't know what those futures are. You know, the, the way that, for instance, technology has moved on, that the thing that we've got to be able to give to children is the ability to think. Um, and to, to sort of analyze, critically analyze. You're on YouTube. Who is this person that's put this up on YouTube? What are they telling me? How do I know that this person is telling me the truth um, or anything like it? You know, we have to be able to give them some sort of critical skills, critical thinking skills. Um, and also, what impact will it have? What will my actions, the impact will my actions have on someone else? So I put up a posting on you know, one of the social media, um, I don't know what they're called, networks, whatever, um, what impact is that going to have? Who will that have an impact on? What will be the impact of my actions by... You know, I can think of certain leaders in the Western world who's tweeting. Um, you just have to look at and think, what's the, what's the necessity of that? And why would you put a world at risk through getting a message like this across? Is that really what we want our future children to be? Tweeting? Oh, I know. I think change is a good thing. I think that it makes us rethink the way that we were recruiting teachers. I think it makes it look at the process that we have for training teachers and make sure that we're doing what's best to retain teachers for the long run. And so that can be a good thing um, because I think a shock to the system sometimes can be a bit of a positive thing that, that brings about change in a very positive way. And so now it's taking what the, the hand we've been dealt um, the fact that we're going to have fewer people applying to become teachers and uh, do what we do the best we can with that, but also look at what we can do to impact that system in a, in, in a different way. Um, inevitably, while we while we may sit here and Pat and I will sit, would sit here and say that universities weren't the, weren't the issue when it came to causing the recruitment crisis, we're certainly a part of the the system. And, and, and so we certainly need to be part of the solution. We certainly need to look at ways that we can change what we do to positively impact the profession. And we have the ability to do that. We're doing that. And I think that that's, that's an okay thing to do. It's okay that, that we have to change the way that we recruit teachers. And I think if you look back at in the archives, um, look at Miss Dawson who started up the teacher training here at Bath Spa, she was experiencing similar situation back in the 1940s you know who would she be recruiting what would what would the program look like one thing that's clear is that she had a real belief in education um, and she also believed firmly in partnership with schools and saw it as a partnership um, but the, the, the you know, problems come problems go um, and also we do need teachers we absolutely need teachers um, and we'll always be part of as far as we're concerned here at Baspa we will continue to play an important role in teacher recruitment and training. 
um, and eventually support the teachers that are in school once they become teachers. I think that's a key element that we do um, need to put a focus on and I think government have to also look carefully about how they're supporting teachers in school. One thing that we've done differently in the terms of our recruitment this year is we've developed a teacher training taster day on the 12th of May that will give individuals an opportunity to see the things that Pat and I talked about earlier, which is um, the positive aspects of teaching, the fun in teaching, the fact that teaching can be a profession that's not boring or dull, that it is something that's different every day. And, and you'll see at this day, you'll see the range of things that teachers do, um, that it's not a teacher stood in front of 30 kids just talking for you know, hours at a time, that it's interactive, that it's engaging, that, it's, that, that you'll, you'll smile, you'll laugh, you'll enjoy the fact that you can be creative in being a teacher. I mean, I know we say here at Basketball, be creative, be a teacher, and you'll see that at this Taster Day. And so hopefully what this will do will bring together lots of individuals who are interested in the profession, um, some people that are already in the profession itself, and you'll get to sort of see the different types of things that you can do as a teacher that can be fun, creative, and different. So anybody can come? Anyone's free to come. There'll be there'll be lots lots to do. Bring your families, um, bring your kids as well. It's 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 kid friendly. Um, yeah, it's and, a family fun day. Yeah, and, and I mean there'll be food. There'll be different events. There'll be different um, uh, things you can take part in, from teaching our virtual classroom to taking part in a, a murder mystery readers theater type yeah. of thing. I mean, there's lots that will be able, that you'll be able to do, both you and your family. And I think the other thing that we do is because of the, the value we place on teachers, um, this year we're going to offer them a £500 thank you, a scholarship fee, um, to say thank you, thank you for considering the profession and you know, we'll get you through the training and you will be a teacher at the end of the training. That's for every training? Yeah, for every, every trainee that comes in the programme, it's a thank you, a thank you to the profession and thank you for them for joining this profession because they are as soon as they join our program they're part of the profession they are BASPA teachers. The IFE teacher training taster day is on Saturday the 12th of May here at Newton Park. Uh, for more information you can visit batspa.ac.uk forward slash teacher dash taster to book your free place. So that's it for this month. Uh, many thanks to Professor John Howson and to Pat Black and Benton Brown. If you've enjoyed this or any of our previous episodes, please subscribe to The Staff Room via iTunes or SoundCloud and follow us on Twitter at BASPAR underscore IFE. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at ife at basbar.ac.uk. See you next time. The Staff Room is brought to you by the Institute for Education at Bath Spa University. It is presented by Dr. Kate Reynolds, produced and made by Sam Taylor. We know a lot about education at the IFE. We've been educating students, teachers, and other education professionals since the 1940s. As educationalists, we work in the classroom and other settings across the world, providing the highest quality teaching and research with over 600 partners, including schools, colleges, early year settings, and anywhere where learning takes place. Over 600 undergraduates study with us each year alongside over 500 student teachers and an increasing number of post-grad students, all committed to building created, connected education communities focused on bringing theory and research
research to quality education practice. For more info, visit www.batspa.ac.uk forward slash schools forward slash education or catch us on Twitter at batspa underscore IFE. And remember, be creative, educate.